This is Colin, and uh, we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 6, as you can see. And that's on page 656 of the small Bible. And on page 1223 of the large print. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and cash, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am man of unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go with us? Second reading. is on page 1090 of the normal church Bible and it's 2035 on the large print. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries to the by the Spirit. But those who prophesy, prophesy speak to people for their strengthening encouragement and comfort. Those who speak in a tongue edify themselves, but those who properly edify the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, and even more to prophesy. Those who prophesy are greater than those who speak in tongues, unless they interrupt so that the church may be edified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, turning your Bibles, would you, to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to start with Isaiah 6. Uh, Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule. Your Holy Spirit, our teacher and your greater glory, our supreme concern, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, we heard two readings there, didn't we? One from Isaiah, we'll come to that in a minute. One from 1 Corinthians 14, we'll refer to that. There was another one referred to on the screen, um, which we're not looking at, but from Luke 4, where Jesus uh, is taking up the role of prophet. So if you want to check that out yourself, do that. He's in Nazareth, and he is the prophet. And the word of God is fulfilled as he speaks, he says. So um, what we're doing now, we're finishing off our spiritual gifts series, Gifts for All, 
with a three-week look at the gift that builds, the gift that among all the spiritual gift, gifts really builds up, the gift of prophecy. And this first one of three, build up, receiving an offering. So what I'm going to do is to teach about this gift. I'm going to give you a work example of how this gift may be received and offered. Uh, and then we will probably sing and we will receive some prophecy, uh, a word of God to us, I think, at this time. And we can weigh it and test it together. So I hope this will be a good and positive learning kind of experience for us. So we're starting with Isaiah chapter 6, and this um, kind of spine-tingling, nerve-jangling account of the call of the prophet Isaiah. And what happens? He has this almighty vision of God. He's in the temple. He, he senses and sees the living God, and it ruins him. He says, woe to me. I am ruined, Isaiah 6, 5. For I am a man of unclean lips. He's in the presence of the holy God, so he's aware of his own human sinfulness. And I live among a people of unclean lips, and I've seen God. Like, what am I going to do now? How can anyone see the holy God and survive? It's very dramatic. But then what happens is that one of the seraphs, what's a seraph? I assume a seraph is a kind of souped-up angel. In fact, angels, we know, well, we know this, don't they have two wings, but does this one have six? So it's obviously, you know, a V12 angel. <laughs> Flies to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongues from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. And that's the call of Isaiah. God deals with his sin, and he anoints his lips so that he can speak God's word. And then he says, verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, I, I kind of got God here with a kind of fake kind of studied nonchalance, you know, as if he doesn't know Isaiah's there or listening. Uh, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Oh, there's Isaiah. <laughs> and then in the crucial bit, and I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. It's the word of one who is in the presence of God. And you know, sometimes you hear words kind of slipping out of your mouth and you think, oh my goodness, did I say that? What have I done now? It's like that, isn't it? He says to the living God, I'm, I'm, I'm available to you. I hear your call. Oh my goodness me, what have I just said? And that's the call of Isaiah. And this morning, I would like to make it much easier for all of us to think about this gift of prophecy um, by saying it's all right, that's just Isaiah the prophet. And people don't really get called by God like that today. It, would that make it easier for you? And just the only problem is that what I just said, it's not true. It's not true. 
we get called. We get called to exercise this particular gift that I'm speaking about, prophecy. Uh, and very often it's in the moment, or the night before, or right now. And we need to receive and offer. And um, that's what I'm just addressing, how we do that, how we receive and offer. Now, um, I was glad Colin read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, so you might like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's very, very, very helpful indeed when it comes to this. It's on page 1090 if you've got a Christian Center Bible. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. And you can see there, Paul says, and this is what Fabian emphasized two weeks ago when, when we last preached on the gifts. Follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. So with this gift, follow the way of love. And eagerly desire spiritual gifts, says Paul, especially the gift of prophecy. He singles that one out. Why does he single it out? Well, have a look at just the bottom of the column, verse 12. He says, So it is with you, since you're eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. That's why we're spending three Sundays on this, because this is a gift which really builds up the body of Christ and everybody in it. It's the one that calls us to our destiny and our vocation to share the love of God and the name of Jesus in the world. It's the gift that builds us up. The gift of prophecy. Now here's a definition. Uh, it's just a little Steve definition. I haven't got it out of a book. You could probably critique it and feel free to critique it. But prophecy, I suggest, is a word from God to us which is en encourages us by communicating God's perspective or plans and thereby draws us into God's loving purposes for us and the world. Let me break that down for you. Prophecy is a word from God to us, which may come as a word or it may come as a feeling or it may come uh, as a picture, which encourages us. So prophecy is inherently because God is encouraging and God is love. When offered in love, it will build us up and encourage us by communicating God's perspective or plans. And it thereby draws us into God's loving purposes for us and for the world. So you're ready for the worked example. Is that all right? Can I share a prophecy, a picture received by a member of the church and just have a look at that with you? Is that okay? Yeah. Good. Here it is. This was Joan Moss. If you know Joan Moss, put your hands up. If you don't know Joan Moss, put your hands down. Now, that got you, didn't it? She's about this big and she prays a lot. When praying for the town, that first... This is, she sent me this on an email, tentatively, hesitantly, like you do, when praying for the town. Now, God can speak anytime he likes. If we didn't all have dishwashers, he would speak to us regularly over the washing up. 
I don't know whether he speaks to us through the dishwasher. I'm not sure about that one. Anytime. But, but, but more characteristically, I think, when we're worshipping, when we're dwelling on God, when we're just quiet or when we're praying. Joan was praying. I had a picture of an aerial view of the town with pinpoints of light scattered all around the town, which I took to be Christians shining with the light of Jesus as they walked on the buses in the shops, etc. I like the etc. That's a verbatim quote. Okay, so if you live in Green Hill, this applies to you as well. There are people there shining with the light of Christ. Now, this is not dramatic, right? Is it? It's not one of those dramatic prophecies. And uh, I just want to say, I mean, Fabian and I, we constantly reflecting on what's going on in the church. And we wonder whether sometimes in the series that we've done on spiritual gifts, one or two of the examples have been quite dramatic in the sermons. Yeah? And therefore, perhaps kind of a bit overwhelming. And if that's been the case, if any of that has... Um, has been unhelpful because of that, then we, we apologize. This isn't a coded message. This is plain speech. You all right with plain speech? I'm obviously not okay with a PowerPoint clicker, am I? <laughs> so, but this is a very straightforward, and often in the Bible it's the case. God will speak to someone like Hosea, and the message will be, I, the Lord, am with you. It doesn't have to be dramatic to be from God. Though sometimes it will be. So what we have here from Joan, I think, if I can find the thing there, is an incredibly encouraging and affirming picture of what our town looks like to the Lord. Uh, and maybe as you look at those words, like me, you can just visualize what that looks like. The light of Christ. Uh, hundreds of pinpoints of light shining around our town. It's actually a beautiful encouragement, isn't it, to all of us who have a concern for the blessing and the peace of Faversham or Herne Bay or Whitstable. Now, I'm offering that to you to see if that is a word from God which encourages us, a word which communicates God's perspective or plans, a word which is there to draw us into God's loving purposes for us and for the world. It kind of looks like that, doesn't it? You can kind of go, yeah, that goes with the grain of what we know about our loving God. So there's a simple example of how we might hear or see and offer. Now, uh, Joan isn't a member of this congregation. She's a member of our 845. That's not why she's not here sharing it with you. She just didn't want to share it. She got me to share it for her. Or I had to say, Joan, do you mind if I do this? I didn't ask Joan's permission for the next bit, but she's all right with it, I can tell you. I've checked her out. Because a few days before Joan sent me that message by email, she sent me another one which went, Dear Steve, we've been feeling rather worthless following the present series of sermons in our cell, in our small group. And she went on to say, I feel that having been a Christian for many years, I've not got very far. 
how do you react to that? And I, I'm sharing that because actually I wonder whether when we're talking about spiritual gifts, you know, if we share humongous great examples of massive spiritual gifts as a starter, it's a bit hard, isn't it, to digest? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hello? Do you know, am I just speaking to myself here? Is there anyone who might feel prone to that kind of, oh, I feel a bit discouraged like Joan? Because she was being really honest. And at the beginning of this series, you know, we said, let's move from kind of spiritual milk to solid food when it comes to the matter of gifts, which is good. But I think if you're offered like a 16-course tasting menu and the final course is a dessert basically made of cream, yeah, that might be a bit hard to digest. So that's just the, the kind of point I'm making. So let's explore this because my personal reaction to Joan there was one of sheer amazement. Um, how could this lady or her cell not perceive the spiritual gifts they actually have? So this is what I wrote back to Joan. Dear Joan, uh, of the more permanent spiritual gifts, the one that you have, Joan, is the spiritual gift of intercession, Romans 8, 27. Romans 8, 27 says, He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And if anybody knows Joan Moss, you will know that she is a walking prayer, basically. She prays all the time. Joan Moss knows more about what happens in this church than anyone else bar none because she's praying about it all the time. And she writes those monthly prayer bulletins, which basically are like a diary of everything that ever happens here. What's more, when I was a curate in a place called Plymouth, which is a long way from here, and I was appointed to be vicar of this church, somebody told me before I'd ever met her or heard about her about Joan Moss. This was a friend of hers called Daisy Martin. And Daisy said, you want to look out for Joan Moss. I used to witness with her on the streets of London when we went to a church called All Souls Langham Place. She's a woman of prayer. So I knew what Joan Moss's spiritual gift and ministry was before I even met Joan Moss. Then Joan Moss says, I'm feeling discouraged. I haven't got any spiritual gifts. Isn't that amazing? So then um, this morning, because they were all there, I just began to think about other members of that particular cell. There was a lady called Anne sitting where Bev is sitting. She's the co-leader of the cell. And I thought, well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9, which says... To each, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, Anne Shuttle has a gift of faith. And if you've ever allowed her to pray for you, you will know that she exercises that gift of faith in a beautiful way. And then I began to think of other members of that cell. There's a lady called Marion Russell. And I thought, well, Marion... What is she if, she if not a servant of the Lord? So I looked at Romans chapter 12, where there's another list of spiritual gifts. And in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 7, 
It says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. Now, who knows Marion Russell? Because she's just a servant of the Lord. She's always serving God. She's always coming here and doing stuff that you don't see because she has the heart and ministry of a servant. Um, I then went on uh, and found the gift of leadership in another member and the gift of encouragement in another member. And I can probably stop now because I think I've made the point. And Lizzie Hales said to me after that sermon, yes, she said, it's like the day of Pentecost, isn't it? Everybody in that cell, everybody in this church has been given a gift by God to use. She says it's like, like the uh, tongues of fire on every single person's head. But you know what? If I say to you, look, you've got some fire on your head and you go like that, you're the only person that can't actually see it. And it's like that with these gifts, isn't it? So I think what we need is a culture where we say, you are gifted. I can see this aspect of Jesus' life in you. Uh, you're good at this, and it's not just that you're good, but God is working through you. You can't see it, but I'm affirming and encouraging you. And I just wonder whether the trap that we fall into so often with gifts of the Spirit is the same trap that we're prone, all of us, to fall into with the gospel. which is we take this gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news of God's love and acceptance, not based on what we deserve, but on what we don't deserve, God's love. Like in the parable of the prodigal son, where the prodigal comes back wanting to repent and confess his sins to his dad, but before he can get the words out, he's suffocated by his father's embrace. That's the gospel but what we do, we can't take that so that we say, well, yeah, but it, it applies to him and her, but not to me. I'm not loved by God like that. I, I feel guilty. Oh, I, I don't spend enough time in prayer. Oh, if only you knew, you would know I'm the one person here whom God would never embrace like that. that we do this all the time, don't we? And I think we do it with the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, no, I... I've surely, I'm, I've not got any gifts. But we're the one person that, that can't see it. Anyway, that's God's sense of humor because Joan Moss is now receiving pictures from God and apparently she's got the gift of prophecy. Now look, this is 1 Corinthians 14, um, 1 to 4. And it's a good, if you're, if you're thinking, how do I receive? How do we know if this is God? Let's just look what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So they were, they were overdoing it on that gift in Corinth. But those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort those who speak in a tongue edify themselves those who prophesy edify the church that word means build up this is the building up gift 
That's what it's for and what it does. And there's the test. We know it's from God if it builds up and encourages. It may be sharp. It may be challenging. It may take the form of a call to repentance. But the tone of it, the grain of it, will always be building up, offered in in love, offered kindly, offered gently, because God is all these things. When we had a speaker three weeks ago, Robin, he spoke on prophecy and he modeled prophecy. Who was here when Robin came? You will remember that, won't you? In, in a way, it was quite remarkable. One thing I remembered him saying is, with prophecy, you kind of know it in your heart as you hear it. It's not an alien intrusion, though it does come, as it were, from outside from God. But it kind of fits with our, our status as children of God, our destiny. In that sense, it's a releasing of the heart of God in our own hearts. And there's something very fitting and comforting and natural about that. So, receive. Be alert to the nudges, the words, the prompting, the pictures, the imagination touched by God. Apply that test. And if it passes the test, release it. It's an offering. And it's not with some kind of fake note of certainty, if you don't feel that. It's gently like, I wonder if this could be God. I wonder if this makes sense to you. Offer always in love. And remember the three stages, because... um, They're different stages. So we're just looking at Joan's picture here. Um, Revelation, interpretation, and application. So in that picture of Joan, the bit I've highlighted there is the prophetic picture. It's the revelation. I had a picture of an aerial view of the town with pinpoints of light scattered all around the town. That's what Joan got. So it's like that often. It's a little thing that we get. But it needs some kind of unpacking, and we might call this interpretation. So there I've highlighted the bit which is Joan's interpretation. She says, which I took to be Christians shining with the light of Jesus as they walked on the buses in the shops, etc. And that's the bit where Joan is kind of exploring the picture she's got and making sense of it. So she's bringing her interpretation to it. And it follows, therefore, that we need to be more careful with that, don't we? More tentative with that bit. Uh, But I don't know about you. I think that is a very helpful interpretation. I'd go so far as to say, yes, I think that she's got that right. That's that's of the Lord. I, I can receive that. And then the third bit is the application. And Joan offered no application because we shouldn't offer application. It's a different 
phase, it's a different stage. We could have a discussion now as to what the application might be. I could make some suggestions, but particularly if we're offering a word from one individual to another, we want to be very, very careful about that and leave it to the individual. I offer you this word, I wonder if it might be for you, let me leave that with you. So the application would be for us to ask, yes, what, what is that picture saying to us as a church? What does it say to me um, about my own confidence in myself as someone called and loved by God so I can make a difference to my neighbours or in my place of work? What does it say to us about our place in God's good purposes for our town? Well, I think that's, I've taken enough time. I want to leave a bit more time so we can receive another um, prophetic picture from someone else. Um, but it's all love. If we slow down enough to listen, we will receive such words, hunches, pictures from God. If we offer them with love, we won't go far wrong. So, back to this spine-tingling call of Isaiah, the prophet. He has this sense of God. He feels God wiping away his sins, and he senses a sensation on his lips as God calls him to the life of a prophet. Um, I'd love to make it easier for you today by saying that's too big an example and it doesn't work like that today only it does amen